It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business. Cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello and welcome to our latest podcast. I'm Chloe and it is great to have you out there listening. In today's episode, I am talking to a guy who's built an eight-figure turnover e-commerce business right from a side hustle back in his garage, which he started, gosh, um, a while back now. We talk about how he's gone about growing it and about some strategic changes he made along the way. So he started off selling via his website and only via his website. And then he spotted an opportunity to sell wholesale to other retailers like Amazon, Home Depot, Wayfair, etc., And that grew the business and created so much traffic to his e-commerce site that now he's back to growing the e-commerce site and running the two simultaneously. So the wholesaling to other retailers and his own site in order to use the wholesale to create brand awareness and to market his products. So his products kind of marketing his business, if you like, to then bring people back to the website, which has a different role to play than the product listings on the other retailers. It's a fascinating space. Um, I know a lot of you are in that world between selling on other websites and selling on your own site. And I think you'll learn a lot from Luke's story. Before we get into that, though, please do check out the sponsors. FreeUp makes hiring online simpler for e-commerce businesses. They pre-vet thousands of virtual assistants and freelancers every week and then give you immediate access to the top 1% of applicants. Check out why 10,000 plus businesses have already signed up for FreeUp. Receive a $50 credit when you sign up today at freeup.com forward slash e-commerce master plan. And there's three E's in FreeUp. So it's freeup.com forward slash e-commerce master plan. Everyone in your business should read this book, whether they are in marketing or not. Why? Because it removes all the smoke and mirrors around marketing for e-commerce, channel by channel, but still delivers for your marketing team on detail and how to plan for success. That's what Nicola Fox, ex-head of CR at Misguided, said about my new book, E-commerce marketing, how to get traffic that buys to your website. You can grab the Kindle or paperback on your local Amazon store now. Or if you're not quite ready to commit to buying the book, head to ecommercemarketingbook.com to get the free crash course, including the first two chapters. And now to introduce today's special guest. Luke Peters is the CEO of New Air, according to Inc. magazine, one of the fastest growing privately held e-commerce businesses in America. Selling all sorts of heating and cooling appliances to consumers, they've recently shifted their sales focus to encompass selling via Walmart, Amazon, Home Depot, Wayfair and more. Luke's grown New Air from a side hustle run from his garage to an eight-figure turnover business employing over 50 people. We are certainly going to have plenty to talk about today. Hello, Luke. Hello, Chloe. Thrilled to be here. Honored to be on your show. Thank you. It's great to have you here and uh, and congrats on what you've done with New Air. I am very much looking forward to finding out lots more about it. Now, I've just given the the uh, the listeners a really quick overview of you and what you're up to, but how did you get started off in e-commerce in the first place? What led you to the garage? Sure. So, um whole life I've kind of been, you know, doing business so, like as a kid, you know, newspaper routes and then through college, I had my own swimming pool business where I was cleaning swimming pools and had my own customers and and paid for uh college that way. And then when I graduated, 
I went and worked as a hazardous waste scientist and it sounded great. Like, oh, wow, I'm going to get to go uh, get a stable job. But, you know, a stable job meant it was a kind of a boring job, unfortunately. And, you know, my little brother was created a business and was selling uh, laptop batteries and laptop parts online and driving a nice car. And I'm driving a, a beat up truck um, halfway across Los Angeles, uh, stick shift, no air conditioning, little Toyota truck. And this is right around 2001. And so, yeah, he kind of inspired me to, to look in, to do something on my own. And I've already had that work ethic, you know, cause just kind of growing up and a big family. I mean, I grew up, we had a donut shop when I was a kid. So I was like flipping donuts when I was 10 years old in the middle of the night and, and, uh, you know, just knew how to work. So that, um, inspired me to get going. Nice. So, so kind of brotherly envy in some ways. Yeah, I the... guess. It. <laughs> yeah, he was younger too. You know, younger, oh, doing no. better. Um. So why why when you decided that you were going to follow follow your brother and leave hazardous waste, how did you end up deciding to sell um, fridges and heating appliances? Because that's that's quite a quite an odd niche to get into. The quick answer is that I saw on the bottom of Yahoo Search, Yahoo published the most. Um, often search terms on their website and portable air conditioner was number three, literally. So yeah, and it was just, so there's huge volume on it. Um, and that's, you know, so I kind of like lucked into that category. I didn't know anything about it, but I mean, I was pretty mechanical, you know, as a kid, I was, you know, built car engines and worked on cars. And then as a pool guy, you know, you have to fix things. So I knew like mechanically how to do stuff. And um, what you find out is, especially at that time is, I mean, the internet has always been focused on digital. Okay, so if you're selling electronics, it's always been very competitive. Now, there's a much bigger market in electronics, especially back in the in the day. And there's a lot of opportunity. But the thing about um, contractor-related products, okay, so heating, air conditioning, that kind of stuff, you're, you're competing against companies that are more old school and not really understanding digital. So it actually was a great place to start. That creates such an opportunity, doesn't it? If there's there's a market that exists and the incumbents just aren't looking after it. You can, you can kind of quickly learn everything they already do and then take it to the next level. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there, and there's still those opportunities, but you know, just like anything, it was, there was just a lot more opportunities back, uh, you know, 2000 to 2005. Um, but there were less tools back then too. So now the you know, it's more competitive, but there's, um, with that, you have a lot more tools. Yeah, it, it's. Um, I saw something the other day that was saying the only, the barrier to entry now in e-commerce is having an idea, or the or the bravery to do it. Whereas back then, oh my gosh, because my career started off similar time to when when you were getting into it in the early two thousands, and the it still blows my mind what we can do with a couple of clicks now. That back then would have spent a week of playing around with a brief to then pay thousands of pounds to someone to build it. And then it probably still wouldn't do what you wanted to do. It's, it's kind of mind blowing how we've evolved. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was totally different. I mean, cost per clicks were so much cheaper back then, but at the same time, all of your, um, like implementation costs were more like, you know, I had, we had a Yahoo store at the beginning. I don't know if you remember those. So Yahoo, yeah, they had, a, I think they still exist. I think, or I don't know if they killed it recently. No, I think they killed it, but they, you could have a Yahoo store kind of like Shopify has it is the platform of choice now. Well, back then there was a Yahoo store, but you know, you had to, if you wanted to customize things, you had to pay somebody who knew their kind of code, which was a special language and everything was just hard. Like you had to know HTML first of all. So, you know, which isn't hard, but yeah, there's just more of a learning curve, I guess, back in the day. 
Well, let's talk about right now. So um, where in the world is New Air based and where are you selling to? So we're um, in the U.S. and sell uh, mostly to the U.S. now, although we're kind of um, going to be getting into Europe and uh, we're a little bit in Canada, still growing the business here before we move too quickly international. And then the company, our HQ, is in Southern California in a city called Cyprus, which is about 30 miles south of Los Angeles um, in warehouse distribution building. It's about 115,000 square feet. Oh, nice. You've got everything under the one roof. We do. Yeah. And we have also three PLs, but most of the product is in this building. And do you find that, um, because I know it's a big, it's a big decision in e-commerce. Do you outsource everything to a 3PL or do you keep some of the stock, you know, do you want to see your stock or not, I suppose? And do you want the responsibility of picking and packing it? What's led you to, to kind of have a hybrid there? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. And, you know, for your audience, I would say um, for us, it's good to see it. It's big product. It gets damaged. It's um, high consideration, kind of expensive, um, you know, comparatively to other products. So the thing is like a lot of 3PLs aren't that great at picking and packing big products and they're also very expensive. So we can do it um, more cost efficiently than um, other 3PLs. If your product is really small, if you're selling shoe size product or something smaller than that, then it, it probably makes a lot of sense to just 3PL it. Nicely explained. And, um, and we said that, you know, the products are big and we mentioned um, air conditioning units, but you're selling a wide range. There's a, there's a lot of SKUs going on in your product mix. Yeah. And, and basically, you know, you think of them as compact um, appliances. So big, but not huge. So we're not selling the ACs that cool your home or that uh, cool the building. These are all, you know, under 150 pounds. Most of the stuff is under, uh, you know, 50 pounds. Um, I mean, I'm gonna have to convert that to metric for you though, Chloe, but <laughs> sorry, we, 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 we can cope with, with, we're kind of bilingual in the UK and you know, we've got a lot of American listeners and people around the world. So we could be here forever if we try and convert the weights. So you've it's had, cool. You've had, you've had the deal with us for a while. So, so, <laughs> so it's, um, I mean, how about this as an example, most of our stuff will ship FedEx how about that. So we will be at the upper limit of FedEx. Um, so it's big, but it's not huge. And, but it still breaks and you still want to be around for warranties and really understanding the product to optimize it with, um, our, through our supply chain. Yes. It's a one man delivery. Yes. Yes, exactly. And everything just plugs in. So there's, I mean, there's a couple products that you actually need an electrician. Very few. Most of the stuff is just, you plug it in. So it's not a lot of, um, work for the end consumer. And we mentioned Shopify. We've mentioned Yahoo stores. Uh, what platform are you selling on currently? We are using Shopify. Um, keep in mind, though, that most of the business is selling through different online channels like um, Home Depot, Wayfair, Amazon. That's the majority of the business. And then we also have our um, direct-to-consumer website, newair.com, which is on the Shopify platform. And that was a big decision in the business, wasn't it? A couple of years ago was to go, actually, we've started off selling direct to the consumer, but actually now we want to start selling via these other sites. And and are you doing that as a marketplace seller or are you doing that as a wholesaler or is it a mix of the, the two? We used to be 100% direct to consumer. Now we're 95% selling to these large big box retailers and mostly with direct relationship. So you might call that as a wholesaler. It's our brand. But versus a, a marketplace where you don't have the relationship, you kind of just use a marketplace. This is where, you know, you have that relationship with the buyer on the other end. And, and um, that's usually the arrangement. 
Okay, so mainly, uh, I guess what we call in the UK a wholesale piece. You're selling, you're having a chat with their buyer. Their buyer's agreeing to buy X number of units, and then it's their problem to sell it. Yeah, well, I wouldn't phrase it that way. <laughs> well, in a very, very basic way. <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes they're still drop shipping, so sometimes they'll take inventory. Sometimes we'll fulfill for them, but either way, there's still that relationship between them, which is a little different than selling on the marketplace. Um, because sometimes that buyer will have some levers that they can pull for you to um, advance your business a little bit. A bit like um, biscuit companies negotiating to get the best position on the shelves in the there you go physical yeah. supermarkets. That it, it, it's it's very much a human relationship, isn't it? It is, and and see what happens is everybody is kind of used to well, a lot of people are used to Amazon where it's self serve, um, and they they do a lot of things for their listing. Like they have to, you know, know their advertising and follow their rankings and think about content and think about reviews and think about even other external signals that might uh, increase the rank of their product. And, but what they think is with these other retailers that they can just list the product and that's it. It's not the truth. Like you, you still have to do all of these things. And um, that's where having that relationship and understanding each platform individually is really important. And what was it that led you to make that decision to go from direct to consumer yourself to the wholesale? Because it's a completely different business model in many ways, you know, from the manpower you need and the, the way in which you, you know, you, you manage your stock levels and everything. It's a big shift. Um, the quick answer is this, is, you know, for 10 years, we had done it all ourselves, 100% direct to consumer business. Okay. And um, in 2013, we changed. And that's because all of those other retailers, just think of all the big retailers in the world, they all started getting serious about um, e-com and they started advertising and they started ranking for SEO. So it went from a period where you didn't have to compete with them to a period where now you're going directly against their SEO and marketing teams. So page one rankings became more difficult. And honestly, that's as simple as that. I just said, wow, our lifetime value is going to be is a lot lower our customer acquisition is now a lot higher we're paying a lot for advertising they're better at advertising let them do that we build the brand and that's kind of how the partnership should work so literally the customer's going to find that's where the customer's going to go so that's where our products have to be yeah exactly i mean i would say if you think 10 years ago you know i mean i don't have the numbers in front of me but like such a high percentage of searches would have started on google everything probably started on google you know except for a very small amount amazon and ebay and stuff and if you look today, you know, probably more than 50% is Amazon alone or product, if you're selling a product, right? And then, but then you have Home Depot, you got Wayfair, you have, you know, eBay and Walmart. And so Google is a lot smaller percentage than it used to be back then. And you can just, you know, think about that trend. And not only is Google a smaller percentage, but all those retailers you've just named are also bidding and trying on the SEO front, trying to get the, the top position above you. So yeah makes a huge amount of sense. So so you made that shift and given, you know, that what uh, we're talking 6 years later you're still following that same path. Um you've decided it, it is the right route for the business going into the future. It is a lot of I mean there's different headaches, okay? So, but there's less of them when you're a wholesaler. <laughs> you're dealing with about you're dealing with like 10 of them because there's 10 big customers let's say uh, versus trying to find and optimize new customers every day. It's a total but we do a both. You know, we have a growing website. Our website sales are going to probably double this year. So what we did is I kind of turned it all the way down to zero to grow to wholesale. Then we reestablished the brand uh, through the website and we're, we have an amazing team that's doing that and growing it. 
Um, but one little thing that's surprising, Chloe, is that when you do this model and you're selling to all these different brands, they're built, they're helping build your brand equity because they're bidding on your branded terms. Your brand is now showing up all over the place on their website and on Google. They're doing what you would want to do for yourself. And so then when you re-enter the market, now your brand has, uh, you know, it's, it's broader across the market and, and, and they built some equity for you. So advantage of doing it. So you just to, and we will come back to that really important point you just made in a second, but you're saying that the, in order to focus on growing the wholesale part of the business, you consciously went, right, we're going to stop. We're going to kind of put a pause on the website. We'll let it tick over, but we're going, right, that's not our focus for growth. So we're going to focus over here instead. And that was a very conscious decision. Yeah. I mean, well, let's, that's admittedly a kind of a naive decision on my part, <laughs> but I'll, I'll claim, uh, I'll claim credit for it after the fact. No, but truthfully, what happens is when you go to wholesale, you're thinking, at least we were thinking, oh, I mean, those brands would not want us competing with them, right? So we can't sell the product. So we were just, so we kind of turned the sales spigot off and then um, didn't sell anything. But then what you realize is they don't care about us. You know, they care about Walmart. They care about Wayfair. They care about their big competitors. They could care less about where the brand is as long as you're not doing anything that you shouldn't do. So we don't compete on price. Okay, so we're higher than them, but we'll offer, you know, extended warranty or things like that. So we can um, offer the customer a different value proposition. So we basically what we did is we turned it off, didn't, you know, brought sales pretty much, pretty much down to zero, pretty much. There was like a little transition period. And then we redid our website, newer.com, and we focused on best in class content because we wanted to, because you can't always count on the retailers to allow you to provide the best content. Okay. You got to do that yourself. Now they are getting better for sure. And, but you don't have full control, but you do have full control on your website. And so to, to manage your brand, that was our goal of the website was number one, best in class content. And then we started selling and, um, yeah, I mean, it was just, you know, slow at first and, and, uh, you know, this year we'll do around, I mean, like I told you, it's not a major part of the company, but it's growing. So it's probably more than double it this year to say about 3 million from like 1.2 last year. And then uh, next year, hopefully, you know, double it again. So it's a fascinating thing, really, isn't it? I think a, a lot of businesses like you, they see a lot of, a lot of people end up seeing wholesale as a bit of a threat when they, when they decide to go e-commerce and you've kind of come at it from the opposite angle, which is you were doing e-commerce, but let's go wholesale. They won't like it. So we'll stop doing the, the e-commerce. And then as that that grows and that evolves, you suddenly realize, actually, because we're selling our own branded products that we've created that have our name all over them, what a surprise. There's a load of people coming to now want to buy our products. And I think there's, if you can play the game right and build the right relationships, I think using your product to grow your sale, you know, your own website sales is a, is a tactic we're going to hear a lot more about over the coming years as people kind of start perfecting what the balance should be between those two because it's such a you know you're, it's kind of like brand awareness marketing that you don't have to pay for because all these retailers are just making people aware that your brand is something they should be choosing and they should be comparing against other top brands in the in the in the space it's I find it really fascinating um, I'm guessing because you mentioned it already you you find that quite an interesting balance as well yeah. And look, it's always changing because now, you know, now Amazon knows they have us. So now they're making us pay to, to get on their site with AMS. And so, so the, all the other retailers are following suit. So, you know, I mean, the game is going to keep changing. You can't just, um, 
set it and forget it. But also, I think like one thing to think about is you have to think about, of course, every business should think long-term, but you have to think short-term too, because um, the current conditions are going to change quickly. So for example, if companies are avoiding these channels, it's it's kind of akin to kind of swimming upstream in a river, you know? I mean, the, these channels are creating all kinds of like forward momentum for everybody to take advantage of. It's not easy, but there it's there. And if you avoid them because you don't, you know, you think it's a raw deal or you don't like the opportunity or you think it's not good to be on Amazon, then you're, you're kind of, like I said, going upstream because all they have all the momentum. So you want to be a part of that momentum, but you just have to understand how the system works and, and make sure you're profitable. And we've been burned plenty of times. I mean, it's, it's, it's always, it's an ongoing challenge. E-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are. Tired of posting jobs online and running into unqualified applicants? FreeUp is your solution. FreeUp interviews thousands of e-commerce freelancers each week and only allows the top 1% into their network. From Amazon to Shopify to Facebook ads to graphic design, they've got someone perfect for the role. Sign up today at freeup.com forward slash e-commerce master plan and get a $50 credit towards your first hire. That's freeup.com forward slash e-commerce master plan and there's three E's in free up. In the last ad break, you heard a review from a retailer just like you of my new book, E-commerce marketing: How to get traffic that buys to your website. It's a Kindle bestseller in the UK, USA, and Australia. And as a past podcast guest Chantal put it on Amazon.co.uk, if you run an e-commerce business, buy this book. You can follow her advice by grabbing the Kindle or paperback on your local Amazon store now. Or if you're not quite ready to commit to buying the book, then head to ecommercemarketingbook.com to get the free crash course, including the first two chapters. It's time for the top tips round. Okay, I love this section because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. So Luke, we're going to kind of tap into your own website brain here, I guess. Um, Are you ready for the top tips? Absolutely. Okay, the book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? Okay, so Chloe, I'm going to cheat and give you two, but the the one you wouldn't I, um, believe the number of people who cheat and give me two, so please do. <laughs> well, because they're totally different. Okay, so I'm reading right now, uh, "The Road Less Stupid" by Keith Cunningham. Okay, and I got to tell, you, it's a great book. Um, it basically talks about you got to think more to make less mistakes, and he talks about a dumb tax, and it's um, it's basically life lessons from uh, Keith Cunningham and, and his uh, entrepreneur, his entrepreneurial travel. So. Great book, The Road Less Stupid. And then the other one that I'll say is for new entrepreneurs, um, Thick Face, Black Heart, okay? I gave this to my daughter and she looked at me, Dad, why are you giving me a book called Thick Face, Black Heart? But it's a it's a great book. Um, you know, it was written a while ago, but about a female entrepreneur. And I mean, it, it and she has an incre- in, interesting cultural background, but the bottom line is you can't let what other people think about you stop you. And um, there's a lot more insight in the book. So those are great books. I have two great titles as well as two great recommendations. Those are, those are certainly going on my Amazon wish list. Right. The traffic top tip. Which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? Okay. So this one does, is a, it is a hot one now, um, but I think less understood and that's influencer marketing. 
So my biggest traffic tip is that video is the blog of the future. Okay. And while everybody is still doing content creation, I think it's all great. But if you can get third party, other people creating video about you or your business, I think that's the uh, number one route to go. I like it. I like the fact you've not just said influencer marketing, which everyone keeps saying. You've actually said a type of influencer marketing. Thank you for the clarity there, because I think that's often often missing from such discussions. Um, okay, the tool top tip, maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day? We've tried a lot, but I'll tell you the newest one that I really believe in for a company that has, let's say, more than five, better with, say, more than 10 employees, and that's going to be um, OKRs. Okay, so it's not a tool, it's a way of planning, um, and you can... Uh, there, there's a lot of books, a couple of books on it, and there's a lot of tools now being made. And what it means is it's different than just goal planning. So fall, setting up a company with OKRs is a way where um, all the team members in the company are creating their own goals and their inspirational goals and higher level goals. And then they're being tracked. So O is for objective and then K is for, uh, and then KRs are key results. So you set up your objectives and then you track with your key results. And um, that's what we've, that's, that's what I put the company on. And it's a work in progress, but um, we're enjoying it. I'm, I'm enjoying it at least. I like a planning method. That sounds like, like a good one too. Is it, you know, cause it gives a bit of um, independence to the team. Because exactly. it's, it's, I've always found it's, it's a lot more difficult to make people or to get people to be inspired and to work towards goals they haven't set themselves. Yeah. So I can see that would be quite a quite a powerful tool. So thank you for sharing that one. Hopefully more bottom up goals is, is the is the idea with it. Yeah, which theoretically should make the business grow faster. Yeah, I mean you're always gonna have the company goals. Okay. So you always have the key objectives from the company, but then from the bottom up, you want a team that is um you know, that's free and feels like they have the opportunity to come up with their own goals. But then also there has to be accountability built in. I think that's the biggest one to put in. That's where most of us kind of fail is building that accountability, which nobody likes. I'm not, I wouldn't say nobody, but uh, you know, a lot of people will have a harder time with the accountability, but if you don't get that part in, then the whole thing uh, kind of fails. And the thing is, if the accountability is something that happens day in, day out, it becomes a lot less scary than when it happens once a year. Yeah, it's exactly. So these are set up as quarterly goals. We track them. We meet together every two weeks to talk about the progress and uh, that we started it this year. So again, work in progress, but it's great because it unifies everybody and also everybody can see everybody's goals. So it creates transparency. Nice. Okay. The growth top tip then, the last of the top tips. If you met someone today who's focused on growing their e-commerce business from 100 orders per month to 1,000, what would be your number one tip for them? Okay. So I'll go back to influencer marketing using YouTube videos. Now, some people are really good on Instagram. I like YouTube because it's kind of evergreen. It's, um, it's a great SEO type of tool in a sense, cause it's, it lives for a long time and, and it's somebody else talking about you or your product, um, versus you doing your own blogging. So again, I think it's just like the content, like, you know, the content marketing of 2019 and 2020 versus a couple of years ago, the answer might've been, you know, just content creation and write some good blogs and, the problem is that the traffic you get from those types of things, it can be really unqualified. You know, you're, you're generating traffic, but you're, it's unqualified traffic. So I'll go back and say YouTube videos from influencers. 
Love it. Thank you, Luke. Now, uh, we've talked about what you've been up to with New Air, but there's a couple of other projects you've got underway, which I think it would be great to let the listeners know about. And I'm talking about the Page One podcast and your new service business, even retail brand. So could you please tell us all a little bit more about those two? Sure, Chloe. So um, yeah, so I started this new company, um, Retail Band. And what it is, is essentially we're we're providing these services of helping people sell on these channels. So a lot of companies will come, they're, they're strong in-store, but they don't know digital. Um, they are maybe just an Amazon brand, but they don't realize they could be really good on Home Depot, Lowe's, Wayfair, or something else like that. And so we help them um, on all of those other channels. Uh, and we also can help them with influencer marketing. So we have a, a system in place where we can get the product in front of influencers. And where that helps is if you think of somebody introducing a new product to the market and they need help on product launch and reviews and all of that stuff, we can help them. So people who have a product, a consumer product, is the type of um, audience that we're, we can help. And I've got obviously almost 20 years experience in the field. And um, for any of your listeners that are interested, they could reach out to me and I can give them a free site audit and show them how we can help them. So they could just uh, find me on LinkedIn, Luke Luke Peters. Um, I think I got two dashes on my vanity name there. and uh, Or they could email me uh, at luke at newair.com. Excellent. Well, we'll add both of those to the uh, to the show notes so everyone can grab them from there if they haven't been able to write them down as they're running or driving or whatever it is you guys are doing as you're listening to the show. So thank you very much for that, Luke. And did you want to mention your podcast as well? Thank you, Chloe. Yes. So it's the Page One podcast with the number one. And uh, it, I'm having a lot of fun doing it. Get to talk to just other business folks and, you know, even experts in the field like patent attorneys or all, all kinds of other related people. But basically, it's very, very niche. It's specific to um, brand owners selling products and their challenges online and offline. It's cool. I love the fact it's so niche and that it fits so well with everything else that you've been doing. Um, so thank you very much for, for letting the audience know about both of those and that great offer too. Um, Luke, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, sharing your story. And um, it's been brilliant chatting to you. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you, Chloe. Great questions and looking forward to seeing how this goes. So interesting there to, to chat to someone who's had such an fascinating way of going about building their e-commerce business and what certainly appears to be a very successful marriage of the wholesale side of things. So wholesaling your brand to other stores plus selling direct via the website and finding ways where it makes sense to the consumer that they can buy from either and why they would want to go about buying from either. Because on his own site, on the newair.com site, they have all that additional content, all that greater kind of service experience through the the, um, the extra extended warranties. Whereas for the customer who just wants to buy from their usual supplier, they can also buy there. I know it's something a lot of you kind of struggle with, how to balance that, how to keep things happy, how to keep the wholesale customers happy and your retail customers happy. So it's really interesting to see how, how Luke has struck a really nice balance there. If you're interested in that whole concept of using your products to market your business, 
then do make sure you've grabbed yourself a copy of my new book. It only came out earlier this month. Um, it's called E-commerce Marketing, How to Get Traffic That Buys to Your Website. Because let's face it, we don't care about the traffic that ain't going to buy. We only want that traffic that buys. And there's a whole chapter in there about using your products to market your business, along with lots of other ways you can increase your traffic and improve your marketing performance. You'll find out how to get hold of that on the website which is ecommercemasterplan.com. And if you go to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast, you will find a link to this show. Um, and with it, all the things that Luke and I have chatted about say lots of notes about those, links to all the top tip elements he had and those contact details he gave out for that free review that he's offering. If you've loved this show, please do a listen to our other shows and um, Secondly, if you're listening via Apple Podcasts or iTunes, please do give us some feedback via their review app. I love hearing what you think about the show. Have an awesome week and keep optimising. Thank you for listening to the E-Commerce Masterplan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast.